Colossians 2, 6 through 12, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Well, we are between um, sermon series so, uh, with the baptism today. It seemed like a, a good time um, to look at baptism and to remember uh, what we are doing, um, what is, God has done and given to us in this sacrament. And so it's um, helpful as we come to this passage from Colossians that we remember some of the background of the giving of circumcision. Uh, to which it is saying that this is the circumcision not made with hands. And we do that by remembering um, God's covenant promises to Abraham. In um, um, Genesis chapter 15, God has called Abraham out, and Abraham is, is having trouble believing in the promises God has made to him that, that, they're, um, um, that he's going to have an heir. And you might remember the story where God calls him out to the clear night sky and says, um, count the stars if you're able. You will have more um, children. You will have more offspring. And Abraham believed him and was counted to him as righteousness. God's covenant was one of faith, of trusting in God's promises. And it was um, a promise uh, that we see fulfilled every, one, every time someone is brought into a king, the kingdom, uh, another star that Abraham was counting is, is shown. There's a fulfillment of this promise made to Abraham. Then in Genesis chapter 17, we hear where um, the, the mark and the sign of this covenant promise is given. Uh, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you will be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations." I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will, give you I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of the sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God." 
And as part of this, God gives them the mark of circumcision that Abraham himself would receive, but also all of his household, including children on, on, um, as infants, to receive this mark, this sign, and this seal. And so as we um, turn to the passage from today, uh, Paul is reminding the people, reminding the church, live according to that covenant promise. And I find it interesting. He's reminding them to live as is worth of a believer, to live as one who follows Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith, that we're to live as part of this covenant community, to trust in Jesus and to let that work its way out in his life. And he points them not to follow the rules, he points them, not saying, okay, you're, you're doing a really bad job. You ought to do better as a Christian. You should know better. What does he do? He reminds them, you've received this mark of a covenant. You've received the promises of Jesus, who is the fullness of deity. Remember who Jesus is. Remember who this God is who's made this covenant with you. Remember what he's done for you. And he's pointing them to this, this sign of this covenant to remind them who they are who God is and what God has done for them, that in God, uh, God in Jesus Christ was reconciling and making peace through his blood of the cross and to remember who this Jesus is. And what a great thing that, that what he points us to is this marker, this sign, this seal of what God has done for us, the circumcision made without hands. It's a spiritual mark that is placed on us who are part of his kingdom and so as, as we um, have brought one who cannot make vows for herself, who does not have um, faith that um, we, we see at this point, uh, we, who cannot exercise faith at this point, uh, we, we give her this sign and these promises. For we believe, this is the Belgic Confession, um, an early Reformed document, we believe our children ought to be baptized and sealed with the sign of the covenant as the children in Israel formerly were, circumcised upon the same promises which were made unto our children. And indeed, Christ shed his blood no less for the washing of the children of believers than for adult persons. Therefore, they ought to receive the sign of the sacrament of that which Christ has done for them. As the Lord commanded the law, it should be made protectors of the sacrament of Christ's suffering and death shortly after they were born, by offering for them a lamb, which was the sacrament of Jesus Christ. Moreover, that circumcision was to the Jews, baptism is to our children. And for this reason, St. Paul calls baptism the circumcision of Christ. That is a sign of them receiving the same promises that one who stands and is able to exercise faith and profess. And so these little ones who keep walking around, and, and they're as much a member of this church as you are. We're not waiting and saying that one day they're going to be the church. They are the church. They, they are part of this church family, this community that God has made. And so we give them a sign and a seal in baptism. Now, a sign, what does a sign do? A sign points to and indicates something else. The sign itself is not the reality. The, the water itself is not the Holy Spirit. The, the Lord's table is not literally Christ's body and blood. But a sign is not empty or vain or arbitrary. God doesn't give you a sign and just says, hey, you know, this is kind of, if you want to, the sign means something. A 
A sign signifies a reality. It communicates in that reality. And then when we partake of these things in faith, we partake of reality that they are communicating to us. I think one of the easiest ways to understand that is a flag. We look up at a flag and it's colored cloth arranged a certain way, but it signifies something else. It signifies our, our nation. It signifies a people. And that's why we instinctively know to um, abuse or misuse a sign is something much deeper than just tearing up cloth. It's something that it's communicating to us. And so as we receive the sign, uh, by faith we're receiving what is offered in that sign. And so what is this a sign of? Well, one, it's a sign of our cleansing. It's a sign of what Jesus does to us. His blood purifies us, it washes us, it makes us new. It takes that, that sin, that, that the, the sin we have in Adam and the sins that we actually commit, it cleanses those and it makes us um, new and fresh. And so verse 11 talks about putting off the body of the flesh. It talks about canceling the record of debt, different ways of saying that in baptism, these things have been removed and cleansed. The baptism, not of the, 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 the sign, but the, the spiritual reality of what the Holy Spirit does for us. When the Holy Spirit takes the blood of Christ and applies it to us so that all that Christ did on the cross is now affected in your life, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. In the spiritual reality of, of making us new and cleansing us, and when the, the Spirit is being poured out on us and regenerates us, and makes us into those who are cleansed from our sin. So the Hebrews can tell us to let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That is, the, the reality that we see is displaying for us the spiritual reality of the cleansing blood of Christ, of the Holy Spirit poured out for us, of the blood of Christ sprinkled on us, of the washing that takes place. And so it's also a seal, or a sign of our union with Christ, that, that we are made one with him. The, the Holy Spirit unites us to him by working faith in us. As we trust in him, we are joined with him. Um, that's what being part of the covenant is. We who were outside of God's kingdom now have been brought into this new family of the household of God. We have been brought into his kingdom by being united with Jesus. So that when he's talking about this, of, um, uh, in, let's see, verse 10, we have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority, that, that we are now filled with Christ as he is our head. We are the body. We are joined to him just as uh, your body is united to your head, hopefully. That that's the way we are joined with Christ. We are united with him. We are joined with him. And we are joined with him in who he is, but also, um, as we see, in his death, in his burial, but in his rising to new life. That we, by being joined to him, have joined with him in dying to ourselves, just as he died on the cross. As we have been joined with him, uniting with him by faith, we now have new life in Christ, just as he has risen from the dead and conquered it. 
so that when it talks about um, being, being, being raised with Christ and being buried with Christ, we see that reality shown to us, not as though it's reenacted, but it's the spiritual reality that Galatians 2 talks about. That for you to follow and trust in Christ is to say, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is a sign of those promises that are given to June and given to all of us. It is the sign of the gracious work of Christ that all of our children and all of us are hoping in and trusting in, applied to us by the Spirit that we receive by faith which the Spirit works in us. But it's also a seal. Like when a, when a law is passed and there's a seal put on it saying, this is official, this is done. It's like a seal when a king would have a signet ring and push on it and say, this is authoritative, it is right. It's, it's like the seal, if, if you'll pardon, like certain foods and beverages have the queen's seal on it. It's set apart from ordinary brown sauce to be H&P brown sauce. Y'all don't catch the brown sauce thing, but kind of like British ketchup, only worse. But it's the idea that you have the seal of the monarch on there saying, this is something set apart from me. This is mine. This is something special. That's what's put on you. As you've been baptized, God has put his seal upon you to say, you're mine. I love you. You're precious. You're set apart. You're now part of my household. You're part of my family. You're stamped as belonging to him. And that is, that is what we see displayed. And it's not just something done for June, but it's something done for all of us as we witness this and that we remember our own baptism that we do this as a community because it's not all, only the promises given to her, but it's the promises that we remember as we watch this shown to us, as we show God's grace, as we see this seal being applied. We remember the promises that are given to us. And that's one of the reasons Paul is pointing the Colossians back to their baptism. Remember who you are. Remember what God has done for you. And so regardless, if, if you grew up and you had been baptized as an infant and don't remember that event, or if one day at confirmation you joined the church and you remember standing at this font and receiving the water poured out, if you were another church and you remember being um, immersed upon your profession of faith, whatever way your baptism took place, the reality that it's pointing to is the same. It, it is that God's grace has cleansed you and made you his own and brought you into this new family and this new household, and you have been marked as Christ's own forever. And that if you receive that by faith, you are united with Christ, and you have died with him, and you have lived with him in the newness of life. We have a tendency to measure spiritual life by our experience, our feelings, our emotion. Maybe some of you, you've heard the term frozen chosen, and they wonder if you're really a Christian because, well, because we're Presbyterian and stiff upper lip and not a lot of clapping going on and that sort of thing. Maybe, maybe you've experienced in your own life where you've felt, am I really believer because I'm stumbling. 
I'm not sure I'm terribly confident in Christ. I'm having questions. I'm having doubts. And so we feel like maybe we're not really believers. Sometimes maybe you're experiencing um, a time of prayer does not seem to be as fervent. I'm, I'm struggling with this. Maybe there, there's times when you have had feelings of is God really doing good for me as I'm going through all these difficult and bad times? And there's a temptation for us to always look at those things as a mark of how close we are to God, how close we are to Christ. Is Paul doesn't do that. Paul is saying, you're struggling with these vain philosophies, these new elemental things. You're, you're struggling with the rules that people are bringing in, all these traditions. You're struggling with people questioning whether Christ is really in control as you're, you're dealing with all these things. And he doesn't say, look deep in your heart and know the truth. He doesn't say, are you, are you being a really good person? Have you been fervent and have you been faithful? What does he do? He says, look at your baptism. Look at the sign and seal of what Christ has done for you. All those things are important. We, we need to trust him. We, we want to have a, a sense of God's presence. But when those fail, when those struggle, the reality is the blood of Christ. The reality is what Jesus has done on the cross. The reality of your spiritual life is not how you feel about it on every given day. If you've had four hours of sleep, you're hungry and, and everything is lousy, you're not probably going to feel that great. And just because your wife might have made you bacon that morning, you've had a lot of sleep because the sound machine is killing out the dog things and not, and you're feeling really spiritual and good because the church is nice, it doesn't mean you're any closer to Jesus. What counts is Christ died on the cross and shed his blood for your sin. And if you're trusting that, how frail that trust is, how staggering your life is, how much you're stumbling through it, the reality is, the reality we see in baptism is the sign and the seal of his covenant given to us, his faithfulness, not mine. And so rather than looking at these other things, he reminds them of what Christ has done so that that's how they're going to overcome human traditions and elemental spirits and challenges to who Jesus is, is to remember the God who has made covenant with you Remember his faithfulness and remember what he has done. We see this and we remember our baptism. We see the promises displayed in this water that is poured out. We remind ourselves that we too are children of God's covenant. That's not just an event that's done at one point. That's something we live out continually. Paul wants them to live out of that identity and that reality. And so we remember those promises given to us. Constantly reminding ourselves, I'm baptized. I'm claimed by Christ. So if you're doubting, if, if things are pressuring in and you're struggling, get answers, seek, pray, look in the scripture, but remind yourself you're baptized. He holds you with faithfulness. He does not forsake. And if you're despair, if you're going through difficulties and there's challenges in your life and you're asking, does God really love me? Don't look at your circumstances that seem to be pushing in and frightening you and making you anxious. Look at, you were baptized. You're part of his family. All things are working good for you. That's the promise he's given to us. If you're struggling with temptation, temptation to sin, you 
pray, speak to others, remind yourself of his law, but also remember, I'm baptized. I've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness. I've been born anew into his kingdom. That's not who I am anymore. I'm now walking in the one who has claimed me and made covenant with me. And if you're stumbling and you've failed, if you've, you've turned and, and you, you're not what you think you should be, try harder. <laughs> Look to the scriptures, pray. But remember the way you're going to overcome and what's going to empower you is the one who has made you promises. You remember, I'm baptized. I'm claimed as Christ's own. I'm a child of his covenant and he's given me his spirit to help me to walk in newness of life. You remember who you are by remembering the covenant made to us in our baptism. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine be honor and glory and power forever. Amen.